Hello and welcome everybody to Wildstorm Addiction. This is episode number 28 for December 2011. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And this month we will be discussing the number threes for the new 52. So that's Stormwatch number three, Grifter number three, and Voodoo number three. As well as some other appearances by Wildstorm characters in the new DCU 52. We will be spoiling these issues, however, by the time you listen to it, hopefully you have already read and picked all these titles up, because we are slow. <laughs> <laughs> however, all of the titles up online that Joe does for the written reviews for the website are spoiler-free, unless otherwise stated. A little bit of Wildstorm, well, DCU slash Wildstorm news. Uh, in February, coming up in 2012, we'll see the first crossover of these three Wildstorm titles as the Daemonites begin to play a bigger role within the DCU. And the other big news is that Ron Mars will be off of the Voodoo title after issue number four and is being replaced by writer Josh Williamson. Apparently, Ron Mars turned in a script for number five, as it's shown in the solicits right now on the website, but it was rejected and Williamson's script will be used instead. Yeah, definitely some very sad news. I can't believe they're taking him off so soon. Uh, I mean, obviously we knew that everybody was going to get a limited time, but I didn't think Rod Mars was going to be the first one that they take off, you know? Yeah. <sighs> oh, DC. <laughs> Before we go to comic news, we'll we'll start with some positive news. Uh, I want all the listeners to join me in congratulating Ben and his wife on their on their newborn son, Lincoln David Murphy, who was born on November the 12th. So we have a new comic fan that is coming to the world. <laughs> so, so congratulations, Ben. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, I expect you to bring that boy up right. So <laughs> I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be checking in. When, as soon as he can talk, I'll be asking him questions about the Wallstorm universe. <laughs> but, uh, that'll, that'll be many years from now. <laughs> Hopefully these characters will be well established in DC that he'll they'll just be as as well known as you know all the others and he'll just be like oh yeah that's that's DC I know Grifter I know the rest of them you know so that would be awesome but uh, before we go on to the reviews uh, we're gonna take time to listen to an interview that I did with uh, Nathan Edmondson when he came down to Austin Texas for Wizard World Austin and. Um, it was really cool to, to get to meet him in person, and uh, a lot of the things that Ben just talked about there in the news, uh, Nathan confirmed when we did the interview. So uh, let's go ahead and give that a quick listen. All right. Well, we are here at Wizard World Austin, and uh, we're going to interview, uh, do a follow-up interview here with Nathan Edmondson. Uh, you know, Grifter number three just came out, so we definitely got a lot more to talk about now that we've been on the last issue. But I mean, I can definitely tell you so far, Nathan. You know, this series has been rocking it. I mean, all I got to say is the line from the last issue: "This is the face your kind's going to remember." <laughs> that was awesome. That's that was just great. I mean, is there? I mean, how? How's the reaction been so far with this series that you've been seeing? I think it's been uh, been pretty good. I mean, you know, I purposely don't read a lot of reviews. Uh, you know, try to focus on the story. And and um, you know, at the beginning there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I mean, they're trying to, as we spoke about before, uh, trying to build this up from the ground up. You know, there are just so many. I mean, the the, the playing field was so wide. Uh, you know, but I think now we have a good handle on the character. We know where he's going. We've just had some really good conversations with writers of several other books. Uh, in the uh, um, uh, well, I, I guess I can't say which books, but uh, there's going to be a lot of crossover stuff going on very soon. Uh, you're going to see Grifter bumping up against a lot of other really cool characters, and uh, the uh, the Daemonites are going to start to become more important and more integral to the DCU. And who's at the center of the Daemonite issue? But Grifter. So we're we're excited at the course he's now cutting into um, uh, into the DCU. Yeah, I mean, the the issues so far have kind of given the sense that the Daemonites might have a bigger role. So, I mean, you definitely have kind of slipped that in there, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know. But there's just that, that sense of something something bigger is happening here. Uh, 
What about the fact that you opened up the first issue in New Orleans, which just so happens to be where Ron Mars is doing voodoo? I mean, I know you said we're going to get some crossovers next, but in, can you tease? <laughs> um, well, I think everybody knows from reading the solicitations now that in the next issue, Grifter's going to make it up to Seattle. Uh, he's going to battle Green Arrow there, and it's going to open up a few doors and, uh, and, and windows for for the story to spill out into uh, other parts of the country. Um, as for why we opened the story in New Orleans, uh, I think part of it had to do with it's uh, one of our, our, our editor's favorite cities. And, uh, um, uh, you know, and I had just been there recently, so uh, New Orleans was fresh in my mind. And um, and Grifter, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a con artist. He lives in the streets. Uh, the sort of crime he's engaged in, I think New, New Orleans is a, um, a place where he could mix and mingle with the uh, clever criminals and and, uh, and and make his mark. It just seemed to fit. Uh, uh, as for whether or not that's going to tie into stories in the future, um, I have to be uh, a little tight-lipped on where he's going. But I, I will say this, that in, in the coming issues, I've just finished issue 7, in the coming issues after, uh, after you see him in Seattle, you're going to start to see a lot more exotic locations. Uh, Grifter's going to pop up all around the world and uh, there will be reasons for that it's not just he's not just on some uh, you know tropical vacation tour or anything but uh, he's going to be doing things at all corners of the globe and and uh, yeah yeah, I mean, we noticed that uh, his new love interest, Gretchen, you know, headed off to Gotham. So, uh, you know, whatever you got boiling on there, hope, hopefully that's not just a tease for the sake of a tease. I mean, I figured you wouldn't send her to Gotham just for no reason. Um, the, the other thing, too, is like... You know, since since Gretchen, obviously so far she seems like a normal person, um, but I don't know something about the way you're writing her that's very interesting. Like I want to know more about her and Grifter. So are we going to get to see more of their relationship uh, in the coming issues? <laughs> that is a very interesting question. Um, Yes, I'm writing her for a very specific purpose, uh, building up her uh, her personality in, in, a, in a very specific way, but um, I think people are going to be a little bit surprised what happens in the next few issues. I can't, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say anything more than that. I'd like for the um, the, su- the surprise to work, work. but uh, I will say in the early issues, all the characters we've brought in, uh, we are setting those characters up for deliveries and for completed arcs and for bouncing arcs issues and issues in. I mean, this is, you know, we introduce a character in issue two. Don't expect that character's journey to end in issue five. Uh, uh, we, we've uh, introduced a number of characters, some you may have already forgotten about, but who will start to become important to Grifter's world in the future. And then we've got a couple of very big names that are going to start to play a part soon who you haven't even seen yet. Yeah, you mentioned that you just finished doing issue seven. You know, we saw in the solicits that Cafu has already moved to another book. So you're you got uh, Wildstorm veteran Scott Clark, and uh, so for you know us old Wildstorm fans, that was pretty cool to see him drawing Grifter again because we haven't seen that in years. So I mean, were you aware of that he had a history of the character when they put him on the book or anything like that? I was, yeah. Uh, I I didn't know uh, Scott and um, the change came pretty quickly uh, you know of course we are very you know we loved working with Cafu uh, I think his best work was there on issue 3 I mean on the series to date he was just getting better and better uh, but very excited to see what Scott does in the uh, you know bringing some of the old character back and uh, writing and drawing the character anew uh, this is not the same grifter he drew of course uh, so I think I think it's exciting for both of us uh, that there's going to be a little bit of that push and pull uh, with, with the old and the new but um, I think all together it's going to work to just round out the character uh, in, in a very, very strong way. Uh, Scott's, like you said, a veteran of the industry. He's got a great mind uh, for Grifter, for storytelling. He he understands the world, and uh, you know, and he and Jim Lee even go way, way back. You know, they know each other, uh, and and they know, you know, he knows what Jim expects in storytelling even you know better than I do. So it's it's really valuable for me to have Scott on board, and uh, Scott's you know communicating with me a lot about things he, that are working and not working in the scripts for him. So I think I'm learning to write this style uh, very quickly with with, uh, Scott's help.
Yeah, and I mean, uh, obviously, like, again, you know, you were talking about issue seven already. You know, you're already halfway there, and we're pushing to, um, you know, to see you doing maybe a full year's worth of grifter. Is that something that you can even talk about yet? Or because if you're already on issue seven, <laughs> that'd be kind of an abrupt stop, but they'd just be like, okay, you're done. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, there are no plans to take me off the book. Uh, so I'm looking forward to writing it as, as long as they're, you know, enjoying having me. Uh, I I have plans 20 issues in. I have plans where this character will be in 10 issues, where he'll be in 20 issues. Some of that's a little impractical. I mean, we I can't exactly plot it out. You know, things have to be navigated with the rest of the DCU. Uh, things have to be, you know, when we have crossovers with other characters, we got to know where they're going to be, uh, how the Daemonites are going to play a role in the um, uh, in the whole DC universe. Uh, but in terms of what characters we're going to see when, the kind of personality development we're going to see in Grifter, I have uh, all of that in mind, and I'm really excited to execute it so uh, as long as you're happy having me i'm thrilled to be on the book yeah, you mentioned a little bit about working with some of the other creators and it seems like this dcu is a little bit more interconnected so have you have you found you know that has been a different experience kind of cooperating with the others and making sure that that the whole world kind of jives now you know what happens in your book affects what happens like for example green arrow's book because he's going to show up next issue um, we are more and more uh, taking the time to communicate between um, between books, between editors, between group editors. Uh, you know, it, 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 um, economically, it makes sense, but it's also exciting. We know these characters exist, uh, you know, side by side. We know that, uh, you know, if Grifter goes to Seattle, I mean, that's the whole idea. If he goes to Seattle, well, and, and if he goes to Seattle and is cutting a course through the street, blowing cars up and knocking people over, and if he looks like He's a super villain coming into this town. I mean, to every everybody thinks Grifter's a villain running into Seattle. So what would happen? You know, Green Arrow would step up and say, "This is my town, and you don't get to do this in my town." Uh, so um, we're, we're absolutely having a lot of um, uh, uh, a lot of those conversations. We're finding out great ways to do it, and I just had some very exciting calls uh, last week about uh, how we're going to incorporate Stormwatch and Voodoo into Grif- Grifter's world, and vice versa. Um, we are, uh, uh, I, I got to avoid saying a couple things without giving away spoilers, but I can say that, yes, I, you're going to see a lot more of that, uh, a lot more of cross-pollination of the books, and you're going to see characters um, uh, you wouldn't expect to see showing up in, in uh, the books. But uh, the, the exciting thing is that at the end of the day, I mean, we're still writing the Grifter book. We can bring in all these guest stars and have them bump up against all kinds of people, but it's Grifter through and through, and it's Grifter's development as a character that we're watching. Uh, all the way to the end of the day. So um, we're really excited that these heroes he comes up against, whether it be Green Arrow or Batman or someone else, they're going to help further define who Grifter is. All right, Nathan. Well, that's definitely some exciting stuff you've, you've mentioned there. So I know the fans appreciate it. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've seen on the boards that have definitely not, probably would never have given this character a chance if you hadn't, you know, had the chance to bring him to DCU. So we definitely appreciate that and definitely look forward to more. And I appreciate the follow-up interview. Sure. And I'll just say, uh, I think issue three, four, five, six, I, I think any of those make a great jumping on point. But starting at issue four through issue six, well, and now seven, uh, Look for some crazy high-octane action that just doesn't stop, because that's what you're going to get. Cool. Sounds good, Nathan. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Well, that was definitely a really good interview, a really good follow-up interview with Nathan. Uh, thank him again for, for taking the time to do that. You know, as you guys heard, some of the things, you know, that Ben talked about with the Daemonites crossing over and the titles come in February, you know, that's kind of what Nathan was alluding to there. Just the fact that the Daemonites in general are going to have a bigger role in the DCU is very exciting. It's uh, it's nice to see that they are planning stuff like that because that way it's not kind of like, well, those are the new kids. Those are the, <laughs> you know, these three titles. Yeah, it's, I think they're kind of slowly step by step integrating them into the DCU. And he also, uh, you know, teased that that uh, Grifter would be going around the world and we'd see more crossovers and and the more he goes along, the more wanted he'll become. So and not in a good way. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was definitely great that Nathan agreed to do the follow up with us, and and as you also heard, you know, <clears throat> as far as he knows, you know, there's no plans to take him off the title, and he's got it planned 
pretty far, you know, uh, up to a year and beyond, he said. So that's really exciting because that obviously allows him to plan stuff ahead of time. So That's great news. Yeah, so it's definitely exciting to hear all that. But uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the um, first review, which is uh, Stormwatch number three. And um, we start off with with uh, another great of the hidden covers, I think is what I'm going to start referring to them as, because we never get to see the true cover, apparently, until the issue comes out on the stands. Which is fine, because uh, I think the ones that they have been putting out on the stands are better than what we've been seeing in the solicits. So, so I'm all for the uh, surprise covers, because this one is definitely awesome. This issue, I will I will kind of start in reverse by saying that I I did I did end up giving it a ten out of ten, and I actually had somebody on Comic Book Resources call me out about that when they when they saw that I scored Grifter and Voodoo lower for the month. But you know, it's like I told them I try not to second guess myself when I when I finish reading the issue, I try to go for the for the scoring right away because I don't want to think about it too much. You know, I I want the score to be my first impression, and with this issue. The reason I scored it so high is because by the time I finished reading it, I just felt really good. Like I just, you know, that feeling of when you read a, a comic and you just have enjoyed the heck out of it and 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 you're really liking the fact that you're a comic fan at that point. And this issue was just that for me. I mean, it starts off at the very beginning where, you know, we're, we're down in Moscow and we have, um, uh, what's it, Adam 1 talking to the projectionist and Martian Manhunter and, you know, Apollo and Midnighter, they're, they're still trying to figure out what to do next. And um, meanwhile, Jack Hawksmore has got into his little trance state uh, so he can talk to some of the cities of the world and, and figure out why uh, the one meteor from the moon that landed landed in the middle of uh, Colorado, in the middle of nowhere, basically. And this was the first thing about this issue that was just like such a great surprise for me was uh, seeing Hawksmore talk to what the interpretation of each of uh, two of the most famous cities in the DC universe and then the city of Paris. It just shows, like, for example, the city of Paris is this beautiful, you know, blonde woman in a, a white, you know, white dress, and and the uh, city of Gotham is like this uh, gargoyle-looking thing. The city of Metropolis was kind of surprising. It's To me, it's almost like a representation of Lois Lane, so it was just really cool to see. I don't know. Uh, I didn't follow all the authority uh, when it was in Wildstorm, so I don't remember if they ever showed what it looks like when Hawksmore communicates with the cities, like what it looks like in his mind. But this, to me, was just a great concept, and I really enjoyed it. And it would be really cool to see some of the other cities and see what their personalities are. You know, on top of that, then Adam One finally gets Apollo to agree to do something, and he blasts off into space to intercept more of the meteors that are coming to Earth. And then we uh, go back to the moon with uh, Harry Tanner, who is still fighting off the uh, the scourge of worlds and has taken up all of his knowledge. And the art here, I think Sepulveda has finally just really gotten comfortable with drawing these characters and is really just... Uh, he does some great scenes here where it shows the... Uh, like the the energy shooting through Harry Tanner and and finally at the very end, you know, the Scourge of Worlds says that, you know, because they've shared minds, he finally sees, you know, that there's more to Harry than than what he's let on, that he's not just a swordsman. And at this point Harry just says, you know, well, as it turns out, you know, he can fool people and aliens and what he just did was he fooled the alien into giving it all, all his all its knowledge to him. And that's when he just jumps on the giant eye and just stabs it and ends up killing the Scourge of Worlds, which I thought was a great scene. I mean, this this character is brand new. This is only his third issue. And the way that uh, Paul Cornell has written him, you know, he started him off kind of uh, seeming like he was just a vain, you know, type of man. And then as he's gone along, especially with this interaction between him and the Scourge of Worlds, it shows that he's, he's very... Um, very sinister, very underhanded, and very much selfish in, in, into, uh, into what they're doing only for his own gain. So automatically that, that has made him a very interesting character and really have enjoyed how they've introduced him. And then Jenny, Quantum, and the engineer show up just in time. And I guess they don't really see, or maybe there's too much going on, but they don't seem to pay attention to the fact that, that he just killed the Scourge. 
and uh, he uh, he plants a quick kiss on the engineer before they take off running. So that's interesting. I guess a little hint that there's something going on with those two. And but then, of course, as they've killed the scourge, all the cavern that they were in starts to come down around them. So it's the the old you know we got to escape scene. And then we go back into space with Apollo, who there's some amazing art and amazing effects here where he's taking out the uh, the different meteors and talks about you know how he's going to be uh, begin sending each of the meteors into the sun basically I guess just grabbing them and tossing them that way while the rest of the group uh, regroups and they and they see the creature that landed in Colorado Apollo is about to be run over by enormous planet killer asteroid one that he can't simply grab and throw into the sun so we're left with that little panel as we pan back to where the the team ends up in Colorado, and and this creature, whatever it is, seems to be absorbing everything around it. And here's where we start a really cool uh, juxtaposition of story, where you know, as they're dealing with that, we see Apollo, you know, charging up, and he's basically going to charge up as much as he can and just ram the planet killer in space. And meanwhile, you know, Jack is going to try to to find. Apparently, there's a hidden city here in Colorado that the uh, other cities told him about. So he's going to try to find that while the others battle the creature. And then in the meantime, the projectionist, who I guess gets left behind, she uses her powers to their fullest to uh, to rewrite you know, all the content across the world because obviously this is too big to go unnoticed by the Justice League, which we already saw in the last issue, how they're distracting them. You know, here... We continue to go back and forth between space, and we get an amazing scene where Apollo, you know, just rams the planet killer and, it, and destroys it, but then it knocks him back to Earth. When Jack Hawksmore finally does detect the hidden city, it attacks him because it thinks that uh, that he's trying to harm it. And so the others are trying to fight off the creature, and Midnighter is trying to tell him that they need to get away, and there, nobody's listening to him. And by the time he knows it, all of them have been absorbed, and it's pretty cool because at the end he's dictating the reasons why they should have listened to him. And basically, it's because he knew that the next thing that was going to happen was that the, he was going to have to fight all of them himself. And that's where we leave the cliffhanger. So, I mean, that's that's why. I mean, this issue was just so action packed and show like an adrenaline rush. I mean, the whole thing with Apollo, you know, fighting on one end and them fighting the creature on the other. It was just. I mean, I just ended it, and I was like, I don't want this in. I want to see what's happening next. And that, to me, is the staple of a good comic. It has to make you feel that by the end. So so that's my ranting and raving about it, Ben. What did you think? <laughs> Bravo, good sir. Bravo. You are literally out of breath yes. trying to review that. Yes, I am. <laughs> wow. I... I I know that I could not have given that review justice like you just did. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I read your review online and I was kind of smirking while I was reading it because you're dead on. Like it was a 10 out of 10 easily. I mean, this book was so action packed. I mean, I was cracking up as you were reviewing it because you couldn't stop talking. Like there's just so much stuff in this book. It's insane. Really. Um, Wow, I don't know what to say other than this is the best book right now to read. And I don't know why everybody isn't buying it, because they should. Um, I love every bit of it, and I cannot wait for the next one, because I mean, what is Midnighter going to do with this big, huge creature that just absorbed all the other guys? I mean, it's insane. I don't know. It it, it boggles my mind. This book is intense. Yeah, and, and it's funny, because that... That's the one thing that the complaint that I hear that there's some people out there who don't like that it jumps back and forth. I mean, I don't know. I guess at first it kind of maybe bothered a little bit, but now it's just so so far into it. And like I said, you've had enough time with the majority of the characters. And like I said, you know, I pinpointed Harry Tanner just because he's. It's very interesting to see what what his motives are. I mean, it just seems ultimately he's selfish and that he wants to get as much for himself as he can, but. But you still want to know more about what what's going on with him. But yeah, I mean, it was just a great issue. The the concept, like I said, with the cities was awesome. I just, <laughs> I actually said it out loud when I was reading. I'm like, wow, that's a really cool concept, you know. <laughs> and and not every book you read has to be 
simplistic. Every now and again, you need a big mouthful, and this is way more than that. I mean, it's from issue number one. This book has just been on a roller coaster ride, and it's been insane. Eventually, it will slow down for a second and catch its breath. But right now, enjoy it while you can, because it's awesome. So, we may as well go into the second review of the night. Grifter number three was released on November 9th, and it's written by Nathan Edmondson, with art and cover by Cafu. Unfortunately, however, this is Cafu's last issue drawing Grifter. As we go into the next issue for December in number four, art will actually be taken over by Scott Clark and Dave Beattie. But Cafu will have the next cover, that is, if they don't switch the covers at the last minute like they have been doing. This issue opens up in the Pentagon, um, where we've seen a little bit of some of the uh, officials talking about Grifter and trying to catch him, but right now... Really, what they're doing is uh, going over some of the information of what they know about the Daemonites, and they actually have all known about them a long time ago, and they actually found some uh, footage of a Daemonite uh, 60 miles off the coast of Panama City, and uh, they realized that that this isn't just an isolated incident, and they actually have found bodies of Daemonites that have inhabited human forms in the past. Really, they haven't seen it for a long time until the recent incident with Grifter, or Cole Cash as they refer to him as, because that's his real name, since he was once uh, an officer. So basically, what they're doing is tracking him, and they were able to pick him up on satellite as he left New Orleans. And he made his way across the states through Texas and is now in California where they tracked him. And that's really where this issue starts off. His brother is able to be dropped in by helicopter and has his sights on Grifter and a really nice sports car, by the way, in California. And that's really where where the action gets started. And they have a lot of brotherly love to work out and hash out. You know, the whole drop your gun, no, drop your gun routine plays out. They talk a lot about their relationship growing up and, you know... Cole's the older brother and Max is the younger brother and, you know, how they entered the service to one another and what that means about being a, a true brother. And and then they talk about packs and what that means to get each other's back. And then they talk about caring about others other than themselves. And it's a pretty heated discussion. And they, it's funny because they get up on each other's throats. And uh, it starts out with guns and even Max puts the barrel of his gun right up right up to Cole's chest which I thought was amazing and then Cole pulls out a knife up to his throat so it, it's a tense discussion it it wasn't just uh off the cuff here and then Max kind of figures out that some of his motivation revolves around the girl and that's where we jump to uh outside of Gotham City and you see uh Gretchen Cole's ex-girlfriend exiting the uh, train that she was on on her way to Gotham in the last issue and as soon as she steps out of the train an officer tells her to stop right there and she's like okay it's fine you got me you know I don't want to make a scene but instead of not making a scene she makes a scene and she whacks him in the throat and puts him out and then a bunch of other guys uh well she actually grabs his gun and pulls it on another officer and starts heading for an exit door. Uh, but she doesn't make it very far because as soon as she gets through the door, another guy who is not an officer but looks like uh, an agent of some sort clubs her over the stomach and uh, they pull her into a, an unmarked vehicle. And then we go right back to uh, Max and Cole's altercation out on the highway. And basically all Max was doing, or Cole was doing, was BSing his brother long enough till another Damonite kind of figured out his location and came on them. So there's some crazy guy who's being inhabited by a Damonite and he just jumps right into their conversation and, and tries to take them out with his fist just so that Cole has proof that he's not crazy. He didn't murder anybody, which was a, what a lot of their discussion was about. And Max could see that he is truly killing People for the right reasons, you know, he's actually killing Damonites. Unfortunately, there's people that are being killed because of that too. 
but Max actually tries to defend him and, and kill this Daemonite that's attacking them. And uh, the Daemonite is able to whack Max across the face, and whenever he does that, his gun that he has on him fires and it accidentally uh, shoots into the cockpit of the helicopter that's his support. And it must kill the helicopter or damage it in such a way that it can no longer fly and it, it's coming down. And you can see Cole freaking out and telling Max to get out of the way. But unfortunately, the helicopter goes down and it explodes right on top of Max, killing him in a very cinematic way. And there is a uh, another Daemonite kind of off to the side there, and he's in a car. It must be, you know, these guys obviously drove together, but only one of them went out to actually be in the fight. You hear their names back and forth. Anyways, during that crash, um, the Daemonite's host body, the human, actually is damaged as well. So he can no longer live like that, and he actually comes out into his true form as a Daemonite. Grifter and him fight. It's pretty awesome. And Grifter wins, of course, because he's the man. And he pretty much picked the wrong cash to go after first, because Grifter is badass, and he kills him right away. And he basically goes over to the other Daemonite. And, uh, well, before that, um, the Daemonite that's on the ground that he just beat basically says, well... You guys all smell the same to me, other than your spine, which is kind of interesting to understand. Humans to the Daemonites are all the same, but they must have a distinct smell according to our spines or whatever. And Grifter is basically standing over top of him and is like, well, you know what? We may all look the same, but you'll remember this face. And he's pointing at his mask, and uh, he shoots him on the ground to end him, which is pretty cool. And then Grifter looks over and he sees the other Daemonite and can actually hear him and walks over and smashes in his window. And he uh, basically is like, uh, yeah, I want to know where you guys came from. And he jumps in the passenger seat holding a gun to him and is like, we're going together. Looks at the GPS last uh, location and it's Seattle, Washington. And he basically says, I guess we're going north, holding a gun to his head and they drive off. He's basically is going to get revenge for his brother now, as if he doesn't have enough motivation with what they did to him. Now he has his brother's death as another motivating factor, which would be a good motivation, I would think. Um, and then elsewhere, we see uh, they pull the uh, cloth over uh, off of Gretchen's head because they had her uh, bag, so they couldn't see where they took her. Basically, I don't, I don't really know where she is. She's in this big like cave-like structure. But uh, she's definitely captured. And I guess we'll see where that comes to next. Next issue will be in Seattle, where Grifter's heading up north. And this will be the big crossover with Green Arrow and Grifter, which should be pretty cool. This issue, you know, I think with every issue that I've read so far, I've, I've been enjoying this more and more um, as we go along and as I let go of the old Grifter and realize that this is a different grifter and that you know what i'm reading now is going to be the grifter from now on out that it's really been enjoyable to watch this character come to be and and starting to be fleshed out with each and every issue and you know the original max cash died as well and i didn't know that this one was going to die so quickly i didn't know if they were going to keep that as as part of his character, but uh, he did. So it's interesting to see what Nathan's writing in from the old Wildstorm universe and what he's taking and putting his twist on. So it's a, it's a fun ride each and every month. What did you think, Joe? All I got to say is that one line, this is the face your kind will remember. <laughs> 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 I quoted that to Nathan in the interview there, and it's like, that's awesome. I, I had to smile with that one because, like, you know, some of the people discussing online, it was a justification for the mask because that's how the Daemonites will know that it's Grifter <laughs> every time he puts on the mask. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Daemonites, you know, possessing people and you having to kill them, uh, based on what he sh they show on the opening autopsy photo, it looks almost like the Daemonite almost hollows out the person or something, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it might be kind of like that they're gone anyway. But yeah, no, I, I really 
am enjoying this this title, obviously, and sad to see Cafu go because I I just love I mean I love his art, but more than anything, I love his um, his composition and his like choice of scenes and and poses and everything. I mean, uh, just little things that you don't even think about, like the. I wonder how much influence Jim Lee has on him because of the the big scene where the helicopter falls on Max. The bottom panel looks like Jim Lee drew it to me. <laughs> you know, there's something about that shot of Grifter yelling, you know, yelling out "No!" that just looks like Jim Lee's Grifter. So just little things like that. I guess you didn't catch it, but here at the end, after after he drives away, the spirit or whatever you call whatever the the essence of that Damonite you know, is kind of hovering near Max's body. And I wonder if we haven't seen the last of Max. I wonder if, uh, Ah. I wonder if somehow that thing's going to possess him and then that'll really make things interesting. So as a lot of people didn't catch that, because I mentioned that in the review and somebody asked me, they were like, well, what are you, what are you talking about? And I was like, look at the page. It just so happens that he shows that shows it's coming out and then it shows Max's corpse or we'll see. Maybe he's not not damaged enough and he can still be a host body. That's interesting. Good call. I think it's cool that Gretchen is in Gotham. Because like I said before, the uh, cameo uh, possibilities are endless. uh, Especially especially with how many bat how many people are part of the bat family now because I follow follow pretty much all the bat titles and there's there's a lot of them. (laughs) So so whichever one they pick you know, it'd just be cool. Obviously, you know, if it was Batman himself it'd be really cool, but any of them would be cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, the fact that, that the Daemonites are going to play a bigger role, uh, I kind of like that they kind of started here. And we're just learning a little bit about them, a little bit about him. And it'll be interesting to see the, the crossover next month with uh, with Green Arrow. Uh, it is, you know, old Wildstorm veteran Scott Clark who's coming in to do the pencils now. So if you see the, the cover to number five, that one was Scott Clark's cover even though like you said this last one's Cafu's so it's kind of like seeing the old the old image stuff because Scott Clark's art you know still looks the same to me so I mean he's got his own style and as soon as I saw that it reminded me of the old Stormwatch stuff he did so it's going to be really cool to see to see somebody from the old Wallstorm crew drawing Grifter so definitely look forward to that in next month and yeah, I just uh, I, I think I think I saw another positive, pretty positive reaction to this book. I think people were saying their only complaint was that, that you know it was going by too fast, and I can kind of see that you know because there is a lot of action and you know he did try to <clears throat> put some hints in here about Grifter and Max's past and obviously they have some sort of military background. So so I guess as we go along, we'll learn more and more. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they use any of the Team Seven stuff. Obviously, it'll be totally different, but a any little any little nod that they put into the old Wallstorm use is a good nod, in my opinion. So, agreed. Yeah, just really enjoying the title, and hopefully that it keeps going. What did you rate this one? Uh, this one I gave it a seven out of ten, and I think for me, just it was more the uh, it's just going by too fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, that's a good thing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, after everything that was packed in Stormwatch, you know, it's like, <laughs> and it is packed. But uh, the next, the next one we're going to go on to here is uh, Voodoo Number Three, which uh, came out on uh, November twenty third, uh, just in time for Thanksgiving, <laughs> and it was written by Ron Mars and with art by Sammy Vasri and cover by John Tyler Christopher, which I was hoping to meet. John Tyler at Wizard World, he was listed on there, but I guess he canceled because he wasn't anywhere to be found. So, in this issue of Voodoo, uh, we get the first major DCU crossover between uh, some of the Wallstrom characters, which is her versus Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. And again, these are kind of like the Stormwatch covers. It's like we keep getting, well, that's not true. I guess. Was it last month they actually used the one that they showed, but they changed it up ahead of time? But this one was a total surprise, <laughs> which was cool. I can kind of see how DC was like, look, you're going to put Green Lantern in there. We want him on the cover so people will know. So so I totally get that. It's a marketing thing. <laughs> so, But uh, this one in my review, I started off by talking about Semi Bosri's art, and I think I wanna, I'll do that again here because his, his thing, it's very similar to Cafu, in the fact that I notice Basri's facial expressions a lot. 
And especially even in this opening scene with Voodoo, you know, getting picked up by the trucker and, you know, uh, talking about, you know, how it's so easy to manipulate men because they only think of one thing, you know, as he's talking to her and she's figuring out, you know, that, that, you know, he'll help her out just because she's attractive. I mean, it's just the little, just the little uh, looks that she, that she has in her face that it's almost like you could, if you took out all the dialogue you could figure out what's going on here, you know. And to me, that is the trademark of a good artist, is where where his his sequence of art can kind of still tell the story without the dialogue. And he definitely has that here. So so really, I'm, uh, I'm glad that even though we're losing Mars, I don't think we're losing Basri, because I'm pretty sure I've seen his his name listed in the upcoming solicits, so that's good. And we get a little bit... Uh, more insight into what uh, what Voodoo's mission is, and as she goes to report some other uh, alien hybrids, and it it kind of brings into question whether or not she's Daemonite herself, whether she's half Daemonite or or how that works, because as we find out later, I'm kind of skipping around, but the the hybrids that she talks to, they're all they don't ever mention the Daemonites, but they're all working for the same alien race, obviously. But when the other hybrids transform, they look n- neither like Dor- Daemonites, and they look nothing like what Voodoo transforms into. So I'm not sure if this is kind of one of those where whatever alien race, if it's the Daemonites or somebody else, if they use like uh, captured aliens, and that's how they do their hybrids, to where you know they don't want their own to be in jeopardy yet, or maybe, I don't know. I, it's just interesting that uh, that that's that's the setup here. So basically, um, we also get an answer as to why Voodoo has shape shifting abilities. Apparently, it's technology. It's not one of her. New, it's not a new power or anything. So that was that was kind of a, a surprise. I didn't think he was going to put an explanation in there for it. But hey, I guess I guess that means that uh, other than that, her her powers are pretty much the same. I mean, we haven't really seen her use them too much other than the shape-shifting ability but but that was interesting and then you know, all of a sudden we get uh, Green Lantern Kyle Rayner break up the party <laughs> and at first when it was announced that he was going to show up in the book I was c- kind of iffy because I was trying to think well you know other than the fact that it's Ron Mars' character you know why would you bring Green Lantern into this story <laughs> But I kind of liked the justification, which basically was, you know, that these, this, you know, group of hybrids has been sending deep space transmissions, and the the guardians detected it, so they sent Kyle Rayner to investigate, and you know that's when he finds them all here, and so I mean, overall, I was like, okay, I I can buy that. Uh, it definitely, again, is showing more of the connectivity that they're going for in in the new DCU. You know, after that, we get a pretty cool fight between him him and the other three hybrids, and. It's been a long time since I've really read any Kyle Rayner, but I remember him, you know, as being the wisecracking, you know, kind of like, kind of like Spider-Man almost, you know, as he's trying to take them all on by himself, and even Voodoo gets in on the act, you know, by whacking him in the back of the head with a crowbar, and they have an interesting little exchange, you know, where she basically tells him that humans deserve to be conquered because they're hateful and all they do is hurt and hunt, and so to prove her wrong, he he lets her go. And kind of throws her off for a second, but but the other hybrids don't give give them time to to get to follow up on this little notion that maybe not all humans are bad as they continue to fight with him, and then they make it to where they'll hold him off so she can escape and continue her mission. As she does, uh, the hybrids escape in the little escape pod, and Green Lantern takes off after him, and then he has to make decision whether to continue after them or to go after Voodoo. And again, here at the end, there's this little glance, this little exchange of glances between Kyle Rayner and Voodoo. And it's just little, the the way that Basri does the faces, it's just, it's just she's kind of looking at him and, and it's this look of, you know, you're not really going to chase me kind of thing, you know? And he, like he said, like she says to herself, you know, he makes the wrong decision and goes after them. Unfortunately, even going after them, he he loses them as well. So, uh, so he's left to wonder what the heck all this is about because obviously the guardians didn't know, and neither does he. 
So all in all, I mean, it was a great action-packed issue. Here at the end, we do get a a hint of the Daemonites are after Voodoo, and this actually is the Daemonites because it's the it's the you know a person who's possessed and it's got the blue tendrils coming out of the mouth and all that. So there's no doubt about that it's the Daemonites. So we will hopefully, with the next few issues, finally get an answer as to what tie, if any, does Voodoo have to the Daemonites because they appear to be after her. You would think that if she was well, let me back that up. She obviously was trying to contact, you know, the race she's working for. So if it's not the Daemonites, you know, why would they be hunting her? So definitely a lot of a lot of uh, good questions planted in this issue. You know, obviously really sad that that Ron Mars is going to be gone after the next issue. I mean, I don't understand. He said that you know he was cooperating with DC to try to do what they wanted and. Uh, especially with that first issue, <laughs> so doesn't sound to me like like he was very combative with them. So uh, I have no idea what what they would have not liked that's going on here. Because I mean, this is all great setup in my opinion. And somebody again had called me out on the rating for this one because I gave it a seven out of ten. But I think it was just more of I don't really when I feel like a, a an issue is a, a lot of setup for something else. I don't. I usually don't rate it too high. I mean, we had a great battle. Don't get me wrong, but when you really look at the meat of what happened, you know, it's just it's just more questions. So, but that's good though because it makes me want to keep reading. That's why I was, you know, telling the person online. I'm like, this has this is not say that I am not enjoying it because I am enjoying this title, and I hope that uh, I hope that the move to change Mars was not because of it being on the lower end of the sales because unfortunately it is. Um, so hopefully, uh, I don't know if a new writer will allow people to give it a chance, but, but we'll see. Uh, but hopefully for now, I know there was at least one person I saw that picked it up just because it had Green Lantern. So <laughs> that, in that at least, you know, maybe it'll cause a little bit of sales spike. What did you think, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a shame that he's leaving so soon, actually, because after that first issue and now going back to it, I've really enjoyed this ride and I think it's going somewhere really cool. And I thought the explanation and the questions were okay in this issue. Um, I will tell you though, and you're right. I love looking at Sam Basri's art. I think it's the strongest out of the three, at least in my opinion. Like I enjoy looking at it the most, um, maybe because it's so clean and, and, the facial expressions are are so awesome to look at and there's so much life in them you know he gets across exactly what they're giving you and their reactions which i think is fantastic you know obviously this is leading to the Damon knight crossover and confrontation which is fine um i think there's so much more to learn about voodoo and her race and and that whole thing like i could understand the Damonites going after her because technically there's two different alien races trying to take control of Earth. And, you know, they can fight amongst each other just as much as, you know, the human race. So I, I can understand them trying to take them out before they have a chance to get a f- good foothold. So I can understand that motivation to want to go after video if that's the motivation. But I, I'm really digging this this title and it's disappointing Um when I, you know, I heard the news that Ron Mars was actually coming off of the the title, it's kind of a bummer. I, I really enjoyed to see what he's done to this character. I mean, it's completely different than the Wildstorm character, but you know, he gave us a lot of cool gems that were, you know, nods back to the Wildstorm universe, which I thought was nice, considering how much he's actually changed this character as a whole. Other than that, I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah, and I mean the I, I read an interview with the the new writer Josh Williamson, and I mean he's he said he's you know he's gonna he's gonna build off of some of the stuff that they did. You know that we're still gonna see Agent Fallon. He's I, I'm pretty sure he did mention that we will still see the Black Razors, so that's pretty cool. And that he's not taking the sexiness out. <laughs> he said he's gonna add more sci-fi. So I mean I haven't read anything by him. I know that I read that he was taking he was uh, in charge of some of the uh, uh, video game titles that, that they were doing uh, just going to kind of come to this fresh with him and we'll see what happens come uh, what is that January yeah because next month is more on Mars so 
So just then we'll look at look forward to Ron Mars's last issue here next month. Okay, some other Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins in the new DCU 52. Uh, Damonites number three released on October 12th. Um, still no sign of the Century Baby. Do you have any updates <laughs> the, on that? No, though I was going to say that I know of because unfortunately I'm I'm starting to get some of my stuff from a discount comic book service, and this one is still in the mail. So um, it's that that unfortunately is not something I can simply flip through and figure out. I have to wait on that one. Well, you, you know, we were making a little joke about Damon Knights, Demon yeah. Knights, and Damon Knights. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> but anyways, uh October twelfth also was the release of Superboy number three. And this issue, if you guys haven't read it, you got it it's definitely worth reading both of these Scott Lobdell uh Teen Titans and Superboy. Um Fairchild at the end of this issue, and she has another major role in this issue. Um as as uh Joe likes to say, she hulked out at the end of this issue, <laughs> revealing <laughs> Revealing her choice of lady undergarments to Superboy, which uh, are green and purple, which are, you know, an homage to the original costume that she had in the Wildstorm Gen 13. It's just, it was a really cool uh, final page, basically. Yeah, that's another one I haven't got to read, but that one I did flip through and saw that last page. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was pretty cool to see. And it's funny, like, until you really said that, that she hulked out, which is a funny way of saying it, but, you know, Mm -hmm. she used her powers to get strong and and vulnerable, basically. I never really put two and two together in Gen 13 that her costume was green and purple and Hulk's was green and purple. (laughs) Oh, I didn't either. I didn't know that's why you were bringing that up. (laughs) I just just noticed that... uh, that she just she increased in size too so that was you know pretty much it's Fairchild so so that was just really cool to see you in itself and I didn't even I didn't even get to flip through Teen Titans number three unfortunately did you pick it up is there any is there anything in there <laughs> I I picked it up however I was uh, reading through it right before we started uh, this recording but I flipped through it while I was at the store and I did not see any tie-ins or anything Wildstorm related. And I'm halfway through it, and I don't think there will be. But if there is, I'll I'll update you guys in the show notes, and I'll let you know um, if there were any tie-ins. But I'm I'm not aware, and I don't think there will be. However, there was a really cool. Um, I think like the second page in, there's a two-page spread, and it, it kind of uh, it is an homage to the old like Family Circus uh, Sunday cartoons that you get in the newspaper with. Um, you know, the kids always have, like, all these numbers, and they're hopping around the yard or whatever, going... Do yeah. You, do you have any idea what... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah. uh, there's a whole two-page spread just like that with the uh, Kid Flash, and it's, oh, okay. it's pretty neat. <laughs> I, I Wasn't Superboy in that issue? Did, didn't he come... Or am I... I, I don't want to confuse what I'm seeing in previews, so... <laughs> um, flipping through, I don't think that he is at all, actually. But okay. I, I haven't gotten to finish it yet. Yeah, because I know he's coming. They keep teasing at it. So <laughs> No, he's not in this issue. Well, watch for that because I'm pretty sure either the next cover or the cover after shows him. So <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully we'll get another Fairchild with that. that. Yeah. Um, and then the upcoming Wildstorm releases. <laughs> we call them Wildstorm releases. I guess they're not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but, uh, hey, if we want to keep our Wildstorm addiction title, we got to call them Wildstorm. Yeah. Uh, on December 7th, Stormwatch number 4 will release. Don't forget to pick that up because it's going to be epic. December 14th, Grifter number 4, Superboy number 4 with a likely appearance from Caitlin Fairchild, and Demon Knights number 4. I I picked up all three of those last week, but I haven't read through them yet because uh, my local shop did an awesome Black Friday sale. <laughs> Hey, everything was 25% off, so I was like, ah, cheap back issues. Um, yeah. <laughs> and December 28th, Voodoo number four and Teen Titans number four, which may or may not have Caitlin Fairchild and Superboy. And just as a reminder, all of these issues are available digitally, either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com day and date every Wednesday. 
a quick couple of things to comment about what you said about upcoming Wildstorm releases. Nathan Edmondson actually asked me, he's like, gee, I wonder what the uh, the DC, you know, up upper ups or whatever, you know, think about y'all's podcast name. And I'm like, well, I said, they never re- retweet anything that we, that I post. So <laughs> they may not like it, but, um, cause he's like, yeah, they're adamant about, no, it's, there's no wild store anymore. It's all DC. And I'm like, well, I was like, yeah, but you know, we kept that. So that way you, there's no doubt as to what we're covering, you know, cause there's a lot of DC podcasts out there and I'm sure some of them, you know, are covering and some of them may not because obviously they're going to focus on the bigger, you know, well-known stuff. So, hey, we just got to keep, you know, keep our keep our flag stuck in here and, you know, be like, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. We're trying to promote your books. You know, these are the these are the books that are not, are not as well-known. So, <laughs> also, I don't think I mentioned it in the podcast, but it is on the, it is on the site uh, that Nathan said if anybody makes him a grifter mask that he would wear it. So, I actually had my brother make one. And it's up on the side if you want to see it. And Griff, I mean, uh, Nathan really liked it because he retweeted about it that day that I gave it to him. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's always fun when when you get to meet the creators and they like to have fun with what they're doing. So just a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, be sure and check out uh, our friend of the show, Chris Stryker, you know, who was on with us at episode 25. And visit his... Um, uh, website for Stormwatch, which is just simply stormwatch.ws. There is no www. And you remember to visit the Higher Authorities message boards, uh, which is Clark's Bar, to continue to discuss the integration of Wallstorm amongst uh, other longtime Wallstorm fans, and that's uh, the authority.ws. Uh, there's no new Eye of the Storm podcast up yet for Frankie de Jesus, and um, uh, DC Wormhole podcast episode 3 is out at uh, culturalwarmhole.com, and they are continuing to co- to cover several of the new 52 books. They continue to cross-promote with us. Actually, it was a funny shout-out with them at the beginning of the last episode because apparently Chris Parton was having some technical difficulties, and Paul Stephen Brown was like, you know, I was this close to emailing Joe David Solis and being like, hey, you want to come on discuss some books because Chris is, <laughs> is not available. <laughs> and I was like, don't tempt me. I am getting a lot of the books, mainly Batman, but... <laughs> oh. My. God. Becky, listen to this podcast. It is so long. It sounds like one of those Avengers Guys podcasts. But you know who listens to the Earth's Mightiest podcast anyway? They only record it because they really like Squirrel Girl, okay? I mean, the podcast is just so long. I can't believe it's just dumb. It's like out there. I mean, Shazam. Look! It's just so whack. Find more about Earth's Mightiest Podcast at www.earthsmightiestpodcast.com. Earth's Mightiest Podcast is not affiliated with at all with Marvel Comics in any way. Plot synopses may not be accurate. Earth's Mightiest Podcast is not responsible for any injuries, death, iPod malfunctions, or babies conceived while listening to this podcast. All right. Well, yeah, we definitely want to give a shout-out to those guys. Those are some of the old guys that um, from the comic addiction. So, um, you know, go give them a chat, even even if they are, you know, reviewing, you know, uh, a rival company. But <laughs> anyway... Um, so yeah, if you guys want to um, to contact us, you can look me up on Twitter, uh, which is twitter.com slash grifter78. Um, you can also look Ben up or me at the Wallstorm Resource Wiki, which is uh, wallstormresource.wetpaint.com. And uh, the podcast also has its own Twitter, which is twitter.com.wildstormaddict. Or you can email us at uh, wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. And um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully you guys are continuing to enjoy the issues like we are. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty cool that, that we're seeing some progression, like I said, with, uh, with the three titles crossing over soon. Because you know that inevitably there's going to be some big follow-up to the new 52 either next summer or next fall. You know DC's going to do something. Uh, so that's cool. We may see more crossovers and maybe even some more uh wildstorm characters introduced there is there are people believe it or not online discussing you know who would you want to see next so definitely glad that they are talking about that cool hopefully i will have this put together and out to you guys before the december titles come out because i'm exhausted with a screaming new (laughs) teen titan not even (laughs) infant titan yeah there you go (laughs) Yeah, you have to come up with a superhero name for him eventually. 
working on it. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>